Uh, I wonder if any of you know what that is. Hands up if you know what that is. If you can see this far. Some of you do. Uh, some of you are maybe just being shy. This is my bus pass. Hands up who's got a bus pass. Some of us have. It's wonderful, isn't it? You get to 60 in, in my case, and, and you can travel anywhere on the buses and the trains in Northern Ireland for nothing. Isn't that fantastic? It's wonderful being 60. And the great thing is, when I get to be 65, I can even go down south and go to Dublin on the train for nothing. It's absolutely fantastic being over 60, isn't it? Well, there's bits of being over 60 that are good, and there's maybe other bits of being over 60 that aren't just quite so good. Because there's different things that happen as you get older, isn't there? So my beard that I used to grow just in the summertime, I was only allowed to grow my beard in the summer when I was off on holidays. And then when I came back to work, my wife told me, no, you gotta get rid of that. So I only got to have it for a couple of weeks during the summer. But it used to be a kind of a brownie, sort of black kind of mixture. And now it's white, gray, and there's a wee fleck of maybe some kind of brown in there. We get old. Life changes. There are different seasons in life, different experiences of life. There's the ups and downs of life. Life's, we, we sometimes talk about life being a journey. And in any journey, there, there's, there's good parts of a journey. If it's a journey of any length, there can be good parts. And then there can be other parts of a journey that can be a bit wick. The Lord was talking to Moses in Exodus chapter 6 about a journey that he was going to lead Moses and through Moses he was going to lead his people on in the years ahead. They were slaves in Egypt. They were being oppressed and persecuted. But the Lord hadn't forgotten them. He hadn't given up on them. And he wants to, through Moses, remind his people of the plans and purposes that he has for them, even in this time of difficulty and trouble. And so the Lord speaks of a wonderful start to the journey, whereby Moses is going to go back and he's actually going to lead the people out of Egypt. Verse 6 of Exodus chapter 6. Tell the Israelites, I am the Lord. I am Yahweh. I am that I am. That tremendous uh, phrase, term that God uses whenever Moses at the burning bush says, well, okay, if you want me to go back, I've made all my excuses and you've batted them back and said, no, I want you to go back and lead the people out. Well, tell me who it is that I'll say has sent me. And, and the, burn, the voice from the burning bush says, I am that I am. Yahweh. Jesus, of course, takes up that phrase, I am, applies it to himself. The I am sayings of John's gospel. When he's having a theological debate with the religious leaders of, of his day, Jesus talks about Abraham and being children of Abraham. And at one stage he says, before Abraham was, I was. 
You know, I existed before Abraham. He's making a huge big claim about himself, except he doesn't say that. He says, before Abraham was, I am. John records, they picked up stones in order to kill him. Who dares call themselves, I am? Who dares claim for themselves what is only God's? Moses is to go back to the people in Egypt and say, I am the Lord, speaking on behalf of God. I am Yahweh. I am, and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. The wonderful liberation and deliverance that the Lord brings to his people in Old Testament times liberating them from Pharaoh, from the oppression and persecution, delivering them out of slavery in Egypt. And of course, that's done through the the plagues, culminating in the Passover, the death of the firstborn. And the, the Passover for the Israelites is the means by which they get the, uh, the, the blood of the, the one-year-old kids, uh, goat, lamb, uh, and they get the blood and they daub it over the, the, the lintel of the, their houses. And as a result of that, the angel of death passes over their homes. And of course, Paul then in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 picks up that image and he talks about Jesus as our Passover lamb, the lamb of God who, is, who takes away the sin of the world death passes over us. The consequences of our sin no longer ours because of all that Jesus has done for us in his death. You may remember the, the, the passage in Luke's gospel, Luke chapter 9, where uh, Jesus uh, meets with Moses and Elijah, Moses representing the law, Elijah the prophets in the Old Testament, uh, and Peter and John and James witness this amazing scene where Jesus, Moses, and Elijah are in glorious splendor talking with one another. Wouldn't it have been wonderful to be on the edge of that encounter? You know, listen, listening in. You know, have you ever been on the edge of a, a, a wee group of people and you're, you're, you're kind of, I wonder what they're talking about. And you're trying to listen in. Imagine being there. Imagine being Peter, John, and James, and you're, you know, what, what, what's going on? What's the, what's the topic of conversation? What is it that Jesus, Moses, and Elijah would be talking about? And Luke records that they spoke about his, Jesus's, departure, which he was about to bring to fulfillment at Jerusalem. But actually, the Greek word for departure is exodus his exodus, his death. Whenever Moses and Elijah on the Mount of Transfiguration speak with Jesus, they're talking about his death, the Passover lamb who brings deliverance for God's people, deliverance and liberation from sin, redemption. It's not a wonderful start to a journey. Wow. God offers us forgiveness. By his grace, we don't have to to work for it. We don't have to earn it. It's a free gift. 
Jesus has done it all. Through his life and death and resurrection, he simply asks us to come in repentance and faith and trust, offering our lives to him in response. Charles Wesley, and can it be, long my imprisoned spirit lay, fast bound in sin and nature's night. Thine eye diffused a quickening ray. I woke, the dungeon flamed with light. My chains fell off, my heart was free. I rose, went forth, and followed thee. The people of God in Old Testament times under Moses experienced a wonderful start to their exodus journey as a result of the Passover ceremony, celebrating the Passover and then being delivered out of slavery and bondage in Egypt. Our Passover lamb has shed his blood for us. Have we responded? Have we, have we really grasped what Jesus has done for us, who he is and what he's done for us? And if we said, yes, Lord, I want to walk with you. I want to journey with you in life. The start of a journey is really important because if we don't start the journey, we can't go on the rest of the journey. That's the starting point in terms of the Christian journey, the Christian life. But of course, it's not the end of the journey. Because as Moses led the people out through the Sea of Reeds, the Red Sea, they ended up in the wilderness. They ended up in the wilderness. And sometimes we, ended up in, we end up in the wilderness, don't we? Sometimes it can be our fault. The people of God in, in, under, uh, under Moses in the Exodus journey they, they kind of messed up. In spite of all the things that God had done for them, they messed up. And they ended up walking in the wilderness. But it's not always the case that we end up in a wilderness experience because, you know, we've, we've messed up, we've done something wrong. Sometimes it's just the path that's laid out for us. The wilderness can be a, a time of, of real testing. But sometimes through that testing, there can be refinement of faith. The dark times sometimes are the, the most profitable times in our Christian journey. Because personally, when everything's going great in my life, you know, I don't need God. I can do it myself. It's whenever things aren't going just the way I want it, or I'm finding it tough, that's when I am reminded that I really need the Lord. So times of, of wilderness experience can be really helpful to us. What, what happens with Jesus at the start of his ministry? He, he doesn't put out a social media message, you know, gather at the edge of the Sea of Galilee, uh, you know, uh, Monday morning, nine o'clock, miracles, wonderful teaching, fantastic praise and worship. 
He's led by the Spirit into the wilderness. And he's tested and tempted by the devil. Out of that then comes his ministry. So the wilderness can be a place of of slog, of grind, of hunger and thirst. But it can also be a time of following the cloud, the pillar of fire. Holding on to God ever more tightly because we realize that we need him even more than normal. A time of learning to grow in obedience and trusting God's provision. You know how the manna comes, you know, and it's just enough for one day. And if, and if the people of God store it up and, and accumulate it and say, ah, well, we'll keep a bit extra, you know, just in case. And then it goes off in all kinds of trouble. God wants us to trust him just enough each day. The discipline, discipline, discipleship, the two words. Sometimes the Lord disciplines us, allows times of trouble to come upon us in order that we might be better disciples of Jesus. I love uh, some of the passages in Jeremiah. One that, one that I particularly come back to time and time again is, is a little passage from Jeremiah chapter 20. In the NIV, it's entitled Jeremiah's Complaint. Jeremiah was, was a, a, a wonderful, faithful servant of the Lord in a time of real trouble and difficulty. Jerusalem under pressure, the superpower of the day, imposing itself upon Jerusalem. Jeremiah comes up with a a strange message. Jeremiah says to the people of his day, look, actually, we deserve this. It's because of our sin that the Lord is allowing us to be tested just imagine somebody in Ukraine standing up and saying something like that. You know, Russia is coming and actually this is God's, yeah, and that's a hard message to bring. But that's what Jeremiah was doing in a sense, at the Lord's command and direction. And what does Jeremiah get for being so faithful to the Lord's plan and purposes for him? for fulfilling his mission? Does he get rewarded in life with success and acclaim and riches? No, he's treated terribly. He ends up in the bottom of wells and in prison and all kinds of things, people turning against him, even his own family and friends. And so we come to Jeremiah's complaint, Jeremiah chapter 20. You deceived me, Lord, and I was deceived. You overpowered me and prevailed. I am ridiculed all day long. Everyone mocks me. This is a faithful servant of God who's doing God's will, and yet he feels absolutely abandoned by God. Whenever I speak out, I cry out, proclaiming violence and destruction. So the word of the Lord has brought me insult and reproach all day long. But if I say, 
I will not mention his word or speak any more in his name. His word is in my heart like a fire, a fire shut up in my bones. I'm weary of holding it in. Indeed, I cannot. I hear many whispering, terror on every side. Denounce him. Let's denounce him. All my friends are waiting for me to slip, saying, perhaps he will be deceived. Then we will prevail over him and take our revenge on him. But the Lord is like a mighty warrior, so my persecutors will stumble and not prevail. They will fail and be thoroughly disgraced. Their dishonor will never be forgotten. Lord Almighty, you who examine the righteous and probe the heart and mind, let me see your vengeance on them, for to you I have committed my cause. Sing to the Lord. Give praise to the Lord. He rescues the life of the needy from the hands of the wicked. And if we were Pentecostalists rather than Presbyterians, we'd all be shouting, Hallelujah! Amen! Isn't it lovely how Jeremiah has the sense of being oppressed by his nearest and dearest. He's faithful to God, and yet God at times seems to abandon him. Nevertheless, the word of God is, is in my heart like a fire, a fire shut up on my bones. I, I can't hold it in. I've got, and at the end then, sing to the Lord. Give praise to the Lord. He rescues the life of the needy from the hands of the wicked. Jeremiah going through a, a wilderness experience, and yet at the end of it all comes out, God is my Lord. Praise God. Except that's not where he ends. Because the very next verse, after saying, sing to the Lord, give praise to the Lord, he rescues the life of the needy from the hands of the wicked, the very next verse, Jeremiah says, cursed be the day I was born. Cursed be the day I was born. May the day my mother bore me not be blessed. Cursed be the man who brought my father the news, who made him very glad, saying, a child is born to you, a son. May that man be like the towns the Lord overthrew without pity. May he hear wailing in the morning, a battle cry at noon, for he did not kill me in the womb. With my mother as my grave, her womb enlarged forever. Why did I ever come out of the womb to see trouble and sorrow and to end my days in shame? I don't know about you, but that's a bit depressing. But it's also a bit encouraging. Because that's kind of how we maybe sometimes feel. Or maybe it's just me. Sometimes I can be, praise the Lord, but the very next day I can be down in the dumps. Life can turn very quickly. Things can be going really well, and then the next moment they're not going so well. Life can be up and down. 
and we can be up and down. And some of us are more predisposed to being up and down than others. Some of us are a bit more on a level emotionally and, and, and so on. And others of us, you know, that, that's the way we are. But Jeremiah's complaint in Jeremiah chapter 20 allows us the permission to sometimes be up and down a little bit. But ultimately to come back to God again. <laughs> to keep coming back to him. As we find ourselves in the wilderness, as we find ourselves maybe having that sense, where is God? Has God abandoned me? We come back again and again into the loving, strong arms of Jesus because he's with us there. Wherever we go, he goes with us. So there's the start of the journey and, and an exodus is a wonderful start, the liberation, the Passover, and for us, the Passover lamb and Jesus delivering us from sin. But then there's the, the, the day by day plodding on, the discipline, the discipleship. And sometimes it's blessed and sometimes it's tough. But God is with us in it just as much and maybe even more so than on those mountaintop experiences when all is well. And of course the good news is that the journey comes to a lovely climax and conclusion. In Exodus chapter 6 and verse 8, I will bring you to the land I swore with uplifted hand to give to Abraham, to Isaac and to Jacob. I will give it to you as a possession. I am the Lord. That promise of life eternal, life abundant, life here and now, but also in eternity. The promise of a place where Jesus has gone ahead the Father's house where there are many rooms. The 23rd Psalm, the, the Psalm ends, having gone through the valley of the, the shadow of death with the banquet feast, the party, the celebration, the abundance, the grace, the mercy, and the peace of God the Father in the new heavens and the new earth, the new creation. And as we live day by day, looking forward to the fulfillment of that time, experiencing the, the gift of the Spirit at work in our lives, leading us, renewing us, restoring us, and through us, bringing glory to God. In good times, and in bad times, happy times and sad times. The journey of life. I'm now, I suppose, officially in the last stage of the journey of life. I've got my bus pass. Some of you are a bit away from that. Ecclesiastes, remember your creator in the days of your youth, before the days of trouble come, when the clouds come back after the rain, you know? 
That's life. That's reality. At every stage in life, at every point in our journey of discipleship and and walking with Jesus, let's trust him. And let's share him with others. So that others might join us in that journey and experience his goodness and his grace day by day.